Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Fashion Lab. My name is Lisa Gumba Regisford, and today's show we will be talking about fashion branding. Now, obviously, you know when planning to launch a fashion brand, there are a lot of things to think about. You got to think about building a business model. You want to think about the brand's design aesthetic, financial capital. You want to get the business moving when it comes to production and distribution. But even with all of these elements, a brand is one thing. Yet branding is a whole new thing. So you can't have a brand and expect your brand to fulfill the branding element of a brand without branding, basically, is what, I'm, what we'll be discussing today. Now, on the show, we are obviously driven to focus on the business behind fashion so we can grow and develop the African fashion industry. Sitting with me in studio today is Morwick Peterson, my co-host. Good afternoon, everyone. And we are so excited to have Absolutely. our senior trend analyst, Nicola Cooper, also uh, joining us in studio live today. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Nicola. Thank you. You've been missed. We yes. have missed you too. We have <laughs> definitely missed you too. Now, we are talking branding. Morwick, as a yep. fashion brand, how yep. do you self set yourself apart from all the other brands around you? I have to say, in conjunction with what you're wearing, <laughs> because you look... You look really, you look really swerve. I mean, I don't know. This is, thank you. Thank you. I love you ladies. I think on a Thursday, you know, I, I, I take extra pride in how I dress just because to you, let's say you look absolutely phenomenal. I think you guys um, look absolutely phenomenal as well. Nicola, your hair, that new little hairstyle of yours, the curls, loving it. Absolutely loving it. Tell us, how do you set yourself apart from other brands? Because obviously that's Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. uh, sets you apart. Um, Liz, I think with, with, with me is I know my aesthetic and I have a very strong aesthetic when it comes to my, um, when it comes to who I am as a being and how I see myself. When, in fact, now the other day I was reading a book, you know, and it said something about, um, retro classic. And that is exactly, I am a retro classic man with a touch of Momo Spice. <laughs> 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 Momo spice. Momo. But I think, name. but I think I have, I have my own aesthetic. It's like you, when you always explain to people is, um, the way you see me is how I dress every single mm. day. Yeah, like it's you not know, your birthday not and it's my not, birthday yeah, or it's not Easter. It's Easter not Christmas. Or, it's, it's how I dress. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side, Nicola, how do you set yourself apart from all the other fashion brands around you? Um, similarly to Mo, I have a, a very strong personal aesthetic. Um, I am known for wearing black most of the time and, and, um, sort of a little bit avant-garde. I'm quite mm-hmm. adventurous with my clothing and, um, and again, similarly to Mo, it's, it's not something that happens on an occasion. It is yeah. an everyday thing. <laughs> this is how I roll. <laughs> and can you also just share with us what inspires your look today? Well, I'm very lucky because I got gifted by Puma with the new Rihanna's that are launching on Friday. Mm. Um, so I'm going for a little bit of, um, you know, a sneaker freak look. So I, lo- I love the look. And you know, today I saw you for the first time in not high heels. I know. But I still think that you carry it quite well. So, and I think Nicola, well really sorry, Liz, is the only 
person that I know that can wear black continuously, but it still looks different. Mm. <laughs> she's, 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 it still looks different. It looks different. Because I change my hair so often. <laughs> <laughs> now, based on my experience in the industry and my interest in growing my fashion business constantly, I've got some five top five questions I want to just share with you. Uh, who are listening to actually ask yourself as you go through your journey on fashion branding. And I think it'll also just kind of bring some things to life, give you some time to introspect and see how you can actually move your brand ahead. Now, my first question is, does your brand need, I mean, does your brand have your DNA in it? So obviously developing a brand again needs to go hand in hand with developing your overall personal voice and point of view. Uh, Raina Pechansky, who's chief strategy officer, digital brand architects, which represents brands and top bloggers across the world, says that your brand is what gives you the ability to determine what you want your growth strategy to be and where you ultimately want to take your vision. Uh, another question is, is your brand visible and believable? You got to stay true to your brand from your brand vision, mission, core values. You got to stay true, be consistent, make it believable so that the market can actually buy into it. Yesterday I was sitting with my new brand connection <laughs> uh, for Team Lee's and they mentioned something so profound. They say that if the people that matter cannot see or feel your vision based on how you package your brand, mm-hmm. they can't buy into it. And 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 listen, for me is I don't know what do you uniquely think about it. It's how confident you are as a being, especially if you a person that has um, a strong aesthetic because mm. immediately when you walk into whichever room, there's this presence you give off. And for me, that is, that is when you know, you know, you that have, you're doing something, you're doing something right. And when people are inspired just by you being you, you know, and not trying to be someone else and you being comfortable with who you are. Absolutely. I mean, it is. It is knowing yourself and knowing your brand yeah. that is the most important thing because if it's a facade, people will catch on hmm. to it and call you on it hmm. immediately. I hear you can't fool the consumers. You cannot. My other, th- my third um, question to ask yourself is, do you know your target market? You know, you can't be selling beef sausages in the streets of Bombay <laughs> <laughs> and expect business <laughs> to <sausages>. go on, <laughs> you know, and expect business to actually be growing. Um, I was reading something on Tom, Tom Ford's top 14 tips on building a fashion brand. And he says, you know your ideal client, the dream, the person you design for. Your fantasy muse, when we sit here and make jokes about who we want to dress is because there's something that is so unique or so special or so mm-hmm. maybe something we are connected to when we talk about these personalities that we would actually want to get our hands on. So I feel like um, Ashley Wu also says great branding offers acceptance, provides a sense of comfort and yet challenges a customer. You know, when your branding inspires a customer on a level that's not just about the brand, then you are now on a different level. So I feel um, like uh, that's something that you definitely want to look into. My fifth, um, you know, parting question is, can you describe your brand in three words without using chic? Oh, it's so effortless. Oh, it's so fabulous like I do. <laughs> well, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. I mean, I was doing some reading on branding and I find some things are quite interesting. Like when somebody asks you to d- describe your brand, do you start by the colors do you start by oh it fits really well Th- those are not that's not those are not that's not enough so i think 
without going further, let's just leave it there. Those are some of the questions I think are worth thinking about. Absolutely. Keep your tweets coming and share the, share with us also, obviously. We want to know some of your tips also on fashion branding for fashion fashion businesses that are actually doing really well out there. Uh, we're on Fashion Lab AF and we will obviously retweet uh, the great tips to the rest of the fab stars out there. Um, our contributors will be joining us on the show as well. Uh, Mile High Fashion with Lynn Jasmine and Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson. And our last segment, we will try to put it, bring it in earlier today, which is my favorite segment. Who would you want to dress and love, why? That is your favorite. I'm I sure love when you it. wake up, Liz, you like. I promise. I wish the show could just be who would you want to dress and why, and we go around like 20 times, you know. So I would like to introduce a very special guest onto the show whose vision is to ensure that those with brand influence channel their capacity to shape a world of equality where people and economies thrive. Um, we are going to welcome Timothy Maurice. Could you just unpack your title, Thought Leader Science of Human and Brand Behavior? Because that's a, that's a heavy one. <laughs> so, you know, my, the thrust and the whole purpose of why I exist to work is very simple. I really believe that the idea of that the brain and how we see the world impacts brands and brands impact people. So if you look at a fashion brand, for example, how you are conditioned to see an aesthetic, fabric, texture, your conditioning mentally impacts how you value and appreciate what you're wearing. And so the, the cultural and the psychological side of things when it comes to how you see things in the mind really impacts how you perceive the value of a brand. So I work at the intersection between humans and the thinking dimension of the brain and how brands translate to the world. And interestingly, I started my career really looking at sort of like image and clothing and how a person's sort of style impacted their ability to achieve their goals and dreams. And my career has been in three sort of three distinct chapters. The first chapter is really helping people fast forward their lives by having a better image and a better style. The second half of my career is when I wrote my second book has been about very specifically the psychology of it so that you can really sort of control the dynamic a bit more. So helping people, cultures control how they're perceived so that they experience less resistance and aggression in society. The third chapter is where I am now is really looking at the science of how the brain and brands work, which is I'm loving the work because it's so, so important. But it really encompasses all of this conversation. It's really about humans and how they interact with the world. Wow. Tim, you know, even though we should obviously know as brands that brand identity is definitely the entire experience of the brand. It's the, it's not just the visuals, but it's rather the core. It's rather the, the foundation. It's the values. It's the integrity around that brand. Now, some people are still not, um, still not caught up or still do not understand the value of branding. And some people also do not understand that a brand is a brand, but branding is what completes that brand and the experience of the brand. Could you share with us a bit about, as an expert in this field, why just having a brand on its own does not fulfill uh, branding? So let's use a case study like Prada. You know, I was never a really big fan of Prada. I just saw it as some sort of Italian 
you know, a luxury brand. And until I went to a museum and I saw the history and I saw that it started as a luggage company um, from these older Italian men and they tried to get their Mm -hmm. granddaughter involved in the business, but she didn't really want to be, but eventually she got involved and she decided to change the brand into helping women elevate their strongest essence. So Prada was built specifically as we know it today by a woman who had who had a very specific mission of helping other women uh, elevate their essence. So that changed how I see Prada. And what Prada has done really well is shift and become an engine for helping people become stronger. So that's the core. With without, And that's the fundamental reason why brands matter is that Beyond the aesthetic, beyond the identity, beyond anything, what is the deeper, deeper reason that you exist? And then how do you get that reason in the minds of the people you want to engage with, your demographic and your stakeholders? So Prada is doing a great job of that. They want to extend their market. They want to grow and get more people who fit, who can afford their brand to identify with their purpose. But if you don't have a substantive reason for existing, on a much deeper, deeper level, your aesthetic and the, the identity you're trying to build won't last long. Tell me, Timothy, definitely developing a brand is is obviously crucial as we're having this conversation here. And this is also really nice because today's topic is really um, kind of pushed around that fashion branding because a lot of people in the fashion industry, again, feel that I'm fashion, I'm a brand, you can see what it is, but we still kind of have, until you open it up and until you really focus on branding, make sure you have your branding manifesto or your brand manifesto, make sure you focus on other elements, it's very hard for a regular person to sit down. I can sit here with 10 brands and sit and put them in front of you and ask you, what it each brand evokes or what each skirt or what each jacket or what each bag evokes in you. And sometimes you might go through, it doesn't mean that the brands are, one is stronger, one's weaker, but sometimes you could go through all these 10 brands and still sit there looking like this. I really don't know what the difference is. So for me, what I want to know is, um, we obviously are de- um, developing our personal voice through these brands, our point of view. And I just want to know from you, uh, team, what, what is it or how is it or how, what are some of the tips or what are some of the, what is some of the advice that you would actually give brands? Because fashion branding is one thing. Uh, fashion brands are, like I said, we are so different, but then sometimes we finish up fashion week and Sometimes no one can tell what is it that's Liz's signature look, Liz Ogumbos as a brand or David Clale or whoever it is. Tell me, what are some of the ways um, that fashion brands who've been in existence for over 10 years even have been struggling? And like, I'm one of those people who's now saying this is the year of rebranding. And I really want to do this carefully because I think I thought I rebranded a year or two ago, but then I feel like you know, it, it's not really clear to a lot of minds and there's nothing wrong with people looking at my stuff and saying they actually don't know what it is that sets my part, my brand apart from the others. What are some of the ways we could be able to find 
a sort of way to differentiate our brands, to make them special, obviously applying our soul, but then there's more to that. What What is it? I get a sense that you looking for free consulting. So <laughs> I'll give you some free consulting. Here we go. <laughs> Step one. Step one is that, first of all, there are two ways to go about this. You can fulfill an existing need in the market or you can engineer a need. So the first one, if you want to fulfill a need, you need to be clear what it is. So if you are a brand that's looking to serve in sort of an ethnic, modern sort of voice, then you need to first say, how am I going to do that? How am I going to serve it? And ensure that that appetite is fulfilled. And if, if that need is not there, you need to engineer the desire. And what the best brands do is they create a desire. People did not know they wanted a, f- a smartphone. BlackBerry dominated the market. And in fact, the research said that people were not going to let go of their keyboard. So you have to engineer desire. And I would suggest that most fashion brands fall into the ladder of having to create the desire, create a consumption need where people don't have it. So on the surface, people actually have no idea they want it. And the way you go about doing that is that you let people know that these are some gaps that you have that you don't know you have. And when people start to realize that from a fashion perspective, you don't see yourself in this because you've never experienced it. So experiential marketing is going to be critical to a fashion brand who needs to engineer desire. So you want to get people, if you want to rebrand, you want to get people who look like the people you want to dress in your clothing and then create experiences where there's in a context where they are thriving. People don't want to take risk on a fashion brand who's not necessarily well known. Because there's a lot of risk in them struggling or not surviving or not being able to accomplish their goals and dreams. So if you can show them, if you can show people who look like the people you want in your clothing, in spaces where they are thriving, whether it's a runway dynamic where they can see themselves, people need to see themselves in your attire if you're going to engineer the desire. And most people don't do a good enough job. They put out something amazing and go, you should like it. They put out some incredible sort of designs and go, see, you should like it. Very few people have a discerning eye. The vast majority of people who are ever going to consume you have no idea how to even relate. So you got to create a way for them to relate by giving them or triggering what I call the mirror neurons, which is the part of the brain that encodes identity. And the idea is that if you can get the mirror neurons moving by them seeing themselves in the clothing and seeing themselves wear the clothing in spaces where they're going to thrive. So if you, if the, the purpose of the clothing is to wear to social functions, you would create a social function dynamic with people who look like them or who they can relate to that inspires them. So if you're going to do it in print campaigns, on the runway, if you're going to do it on video, on social media, you need to be clear that this is my customer I'm going to show my customer how they're going to thrive and I'm going to show them in a way that they can relate to trigger interest where they don't necessarily have interest. And part of the big problem with small brands is that they take that stuff for granted and they just make these gross assumptions that this different new thing I'm doing will be relatable. And the fact of the matter is the most pioneering brands know that what I'm doing, you have no way to relate. 
I've got to create the appetite for you to want. It's like going to a foreign restaurant and you've never seen this thing before and this thing looks funny. Unless you create the appetite for this by telling the history and why I'm doing this and showing people how they're going to thrive and they're going to feel better and the nutrients of this food, then when people, by the time people taste it, they experience it differently. But I was going to say, just to add into that point, um, Timothy, is that it's very interesting how you say we've got to create an appetite. But on the flip side, I just find that Creating an appetite is one thing because it, this everything is a niche. I think for me, branding, I don't know, you'll tell me, but I think that branding has to also do with, this is not, it's not something for everyone. This jacket here is not for everyone. So even the way I'm going to market it, even the fact that I'm going to have it on the runway and I'm going to push it out at fashion weeks and all of my fashion campaigns, at the end of the day, it's not for everyone. So how, you know, th- there's also a very tricky part there is that, to be able to set yourself apart, it means you have to identify your niche. But at the same time, um, there's also a way that I could be able to explore into a bigger market that's not my niche where everyone's now wearing one thing. Because we know that there's things that we have seen everybody trying to be uh, a part of when it comes to consumership of certain types of brands. You know, you see that I think every girl down the street wants a Louis Vuitton. And that's why you've got knockoffs. That's why you've got, you know, you've got the whole range all the way. So I'm just saying that the the tricky part as well, maybe you can just shed some light or give me your your thoughts, share your thoughts with me on you know, it, it has to be everything we, we create as creatives has, is not for everyone. It's for a niche market. So, so the answer is very specific. It's that at the end of the day, you can be as abstract and different and unique as you want to be. But you still have to serve a specific demographic. And you got to know who that demographic is. And if that demographic is not aware that they are interested you got to create the appetite for that specific demographic. So if it's a thousand people in the market, and you're going to sell two pieces for a thousand, uh, two pieces to those thousand people, and your margins are such that those two thousand pieces you're going to sell are going to be enough for you, that's fine. Or if it's like Louis Vuitton and you got you know a million people around the world, then that's fine. But you need to know who it is, and you're absolutely right. It's not for everybody, but Whoever you have in mind, there will be a part of them that know that they identify with you. And then there's another segment of these people that you have in mind who have no idea that they will fall in love with you. That's why the idea of endowment, brand endowment is so powerful. Because you get these people who don't know that they're going to fall in love with your jacket. And you get them into your showroom. And you start to paint the picture of them wearing this jacket and how they're going to wear it and where they're going to wear it. And then all of a sudden, the desire and the appetite grows. And that's the power of branding. It is the power of storytelling. It is the ability to escort people from their cold, stale reality of where they are into the Liz Ogumbo reality of where they could be. And to escort people from A to B is the genius of branding. And what fashion does, it actually creates that escort ability. And what to be able to do that, there's a number of platforms, there's a number of spaces from, again, from social media to using video, to using the right type of models, using the right type of print ads, to use the right type of language around the brand that people can identify with that you are going after. 
And that is a very specific process that has to be measured and measured based on specific business objectives so that you know what your return is going to be based on all the efforts you've put in. So what we're also saying in a nutshell is your branding is what you actually look at your books at the end of the year and you'll realize that your branding either was up to par or not. Are we saying yeah. that branding is that is that important and is is what will see us return. So, Timothy, my question to you, which should have been my first question, is according to Timothy Maurice, what is branding? Because, again, and the reason I say this right now is, do you know how many companies are out here? Yesterday I was doing a bit of research, and one of the things that shocked me is there's so many companies that say, your small business, bring your brand to us, we'll help you with branding. But I'm like, what is branding? Because at this point we need to redefine and understand and redefine what branding is because... Everyone, I, do you know how many people are offering the branding service? But I'm like, then what is branding? Because, so, yeah. Okay, it's a good question. So branding was born in the 1920s. So actuarial science and engineering, these are centuries-old disciplines. Branding is maybe four generations old. That's it. It's new. So in the first generation of branding, it was about brand identity, getting people to relate uh, because consumption models and the idea that people did not want to spend was where branding was born. So companies had to figure out a way, how do I separate myself from other companies? That's why branding became important. And the Industrial Revolution helped bring it on. The second phase of branding came along, and it really started asking a bigger question about above the line and below the line, and thinking about, starting to think about narratives. So it went from the first phase of just identifying with something by having ID, printing and so forth, to above the line and below the line as technology became more advanced. The third sort of phase started looking at through the line where you started having sort of social media involved and so forth. Now we're in a phase of deeper emotion where the market is highly complex where you need to be thinking about all of those levels. And some branding people only deal with one or two of the levels. Some deal with all of them. That's why you see the market is so fragmented. And there are specialists who deal with various areas of these as well. Um, my specific input, because I've worked in all of them, is I'm really about the storytelling part of it, helping sh reshape the story. We talk about brand woman. The story that is evolved around women is their nurturers. I don't think that's enough, so I want to shift that story. If you think about how people see your own brand, what is the story? If you want to shift that story, you got to be clear about why am I shifting the story and how is it going to help people who are going to wear my clothing. And so branding is, on many levels, is the identifying and then the shifting of the story through a number of methods like, you know, below the line marketing campaign, through the line, through the line, again, is using a bit of both above and below and so forth. And what's most important is that branding is evolving with the times. It is brand, the word brand itself is about ID. Uh, it comes from the word, German word, like the brandier. It's about in the impression of an, you know, identifying a mark. And so, What's key is to keep up with how the word and the discipline is evolving and not getting stuck on a specific narrative because the narrative of the old idea of branding has become obsolete and we're moving forward to a space where we got to be multidisciplinary in our approach and our engagement with uh, 
with the philosophy. So, Timothy, um, as a fashion brand, because obviously we speak mainly to fashion um Fashion-driven professionals, fashion-savvy people, fashion, our group of listeners most times would be people who are actually interested in elevating their businesses. Um, as a fashion brand, what are maybe like some three key things that we can look at as fashion brands in being able to make sure that 2016 really would be this, would be the year that will set us apart and give us even more profitability in our businesses because of how we've positioned ourselves in the Get market. It. I would, and I think, so as we, as, we, as we close this, I think what's most important is that you see this as art and science. So from the artistic perspective, ask yourself, how much time do you spend on developing the actual aesthetic and the... And your silhouettes and your fabrics, how much time do you spend developing the fashion element? And then secondly, how much time do you spend developing the science side, which is knowing how many consumers, identifying the type of consumer you want, identifying your margins, your pricing, all of these things. And usually most fashion brands will find they spend far more time on one side than the other. Um, And the ones who spend so much time on the science side usually have a dull brand. So you need to find the balance and say to yourself, have I looked at the numbers closely? Have I looked at the top of consumers? Am I honest with myself? Am I off on some tangent where I really am not identifying and serving some niche in the market? I just design some stuff I like. And if that's the case, you may find that there's only a two or three of you who can even identify. And then you don't have a fashion label. You have a couple pieces that are kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> And I think there needs to be some hard conversation about that because fashion is fundamentally designed to really help you play your part in society. If your fashion label is not helping enough people play a part and be able to execute on a specific role in society and what you're doing and designing is not necessarily relevant for this society, you don't have a business. You've got a cool hobby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's really great. And take those three or four people, make some stuff for them, but go make some money somewhere else. And most labels and fashion designers are not honest enough about that. If you can find a thousand people that you can serve and help them play their role and put on a costume and serve at a high impactful level, you're going to do amazing things. But if it's only two or three, and that's part of the reason why I shifted from the fashion dynamic, because I recognize the way I approach fashion, there's only a few people who think like me about fashion. And I realized that I had a narrow market and it didn't really make sense. So I can help people think differently and focus on the psychology of it versus the actual execution of design. So I love design. I mean, I'm now the listeners can't see, but I'm wearing a purple watch band for my I uh, my my Apple Watch. I designed the band, and then I ordered the pieces around it because I knew I wasn't going to find a purple band. But if I'm going to go and design purple bands for my Apple Watch and think I'm going to sell it to a thousand people, a thousand <laughs> people are not going to wear a purple band. It just ain't going to happen. And primarily because, you know, firstly. There is a, the reason why there's enough market because people are going to look at them funny. They're going to think, are oh, this person is it gay or is it? <laughs> so I get it. So I just make it for myself, and it's a nice little hobby for me, and I'm cool. But Tim, I have seen your watch. So you also do you still design the watches? So the watches are linked to a philosophy, and it's linked <laughs> to my 
idea of trying to promote the immune system. So the only reason I wear the Apple Watch is to measure my heartbeat and stuff on certain days. And then I wear my other watch uh, that I design um, on days where I want to remind myself about nature. So I'm not a watch designer. I'm a, I design things that promote a particular philosophy. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful work. Tell me something. I know we want to leave. Um, who are you wearing right now? What, what, what brand is that jacket? I love it. I love the top yeah. stitching. I love the cat. I love how it fits and sits on you. Okay. So this is a cheap Zara jacket. Um, <laughs> why did you say a cheap Zara jacket? It is cheap. It, the fabric is not a quality fabric. It's a fusion mixed fabric with some sort of polyester, poly stretch fabric, but it wears well for basic daily work. So if I was going to a power meet and I wouldn't wear this jacket, but for a daily type of jacket, and I'm wearing this sort of Fabiana t-shirt, um, whatever. But, you know, for my practical day-to-day, where I'm working with an intern, I'm working on some basic projects, I'm doing some admin, I'm going to see a client who owns a restaurant, this works perfectly. So it's helping me play my part for the day. And tell me, why, why that jacket? What is it that when you went into the shop, you had like, a thousand options of things to buy in that Zara shop, but you're left with this jacket. Why did you leave with this? Yeah, because it's a two-button jacket, which means it has a lower gorge. So the opening in the front is called the gorge. If you want to communicate trust on a man's jacket, you must have a open gorge that comes down to the belly button. If the gorge comes up a bit higher, you disconnect from whoever you're communicating with, and you cut off the essence of connecting in rapport building. So a traditional jacket, when you start looking at shoulder construction, is designed to create the positioning of authority and juxtaposing it with trust. So the dynamic between communicating trust and security, as well as openness and rapport, is a juxtaposition. It's very hard for most people. So a designer needs to be thinking about both, again, helping people play their part, but also relating to them. So the classic elements of the lower gorge with the two button is a style that's been around since the very beginning of suits. So it says class, it says traditional, but it also helps me communicate open and rapport and trust. If you had uh, 10 brands of this same style of jacket, would you still buy Zara or would you look at a different brand if it was kind of similar so offering what, with all what, of the things you th- care yeah, about? Sure. So what Zara does well it offers a decent jacket because they do so much volume. If if a tailor down the street just tried to design the same jacket with the same fabric, they would charge probably 300% more because he's not doing the volume. So because Zara can go to fabric weavers, they can go to fabric houses and buy so much of the same fabric, they can just cut it so much cheaper. And they can offer it to you so much cheaper. So they offer... Their entire business model is based on high revenue, low margins, because they have such a wide footprint in the market. So I would choose them specifically because I'm getting a lot of return for the value. Wow. Timothy, it's been nice talking to you. I don't want to go on because I'll go on over lunch someday. But thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners connect with you? Please go to my website, www.timothymaurice.com, and um, Twitter, at Timothy Maurice. And definitely follow my show on Cliff Central, Unbranded on Tuesdays, or just download on a podcast where we tackle, you know, the science of human and brand behavior. We had a 
An amazing chat. That is Timothy Maurice Webster, who's an author of three brand leadership books. He's a columnist focused on human and brand behavior. What are your thoughts so far that was on, an intense. on that Nicola was, and Morwick? That on, was intense. On what Tim had to say about branding. I think it's very important when it comes to personal branding mm-hmm. um, to know what you can and what you can't do. Yeah. Um, because many people think that with personal branding, um, they can apply it to anything. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, consumers don't buy the inauthentic. Yeah. It has to have authenticity um, to drive the personal brand. Um, and that is the, the, the key, key item is to, to highlight the authenticity but of can it. you my thing is do you want to sell personal brand well i mean i'm going to you gonna, have to sell, i mean like i like, mean personal brand i mean i am my own brand who i am and it's very difficult liz for anyone else to try and be me because Absolutely. the self confidence i have i mean just alone having my hairstyle it is of you know what i'm saying i mean this if it's not carried well it can be a big joke a disaster it can be a big disaster well i mean in the trained world we we have a term that's called it Imitation versus differentiation. Yeah. So, um, what happens is the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. such as yourself yeah. or influencers, dress a certain way and fans or followers will imitate yeah. that look. And then the gatekeepers and influencers will then change. And that is one of the major drivers of fashion is the imitation versus differentiation. That is so true. And just as an example, you know, Rihanna gets a, um, a haircut, mm-hmm. uh, 50,000 South African girls go and get the same haircut. And what does Rihanna do? She changes her hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and that is understanding the power of your personal brand. I find that so interesting. I just want to mention that some blogger wrote, um, with when we were now at SMN's, um, in Cape Town, yes. they said, this is the way you have to sit in the front row. Oh, really? <laughs> I think we have to change that up too. I, I, I did see a, a line called, um, uh, three mute mice, see how they judge. <laughs> Guys, wow. I think branding is a, is a very heavy topic and, um, I feel like we'll probably need a part two later in the year, but um, I think we'll take a break. Uh, and right after the break, we will be rolling over to Nicola Cooper and her trend report. Absolutely. Download the Cliff Central app, available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Here we are again at Fashion Lab, and uh, today we are talking about fashion branding, and uh, I'm going to invite Nicola Cooper over with her trend report. Nicola, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to be discussing a little bit um, about personal branding, um, and, you know, there are questions around it that really question whether it is an attention-seeking sort of uh, act because a lot of people are now who who are strong personalities, who are celebrities, who are gatekeepers, are now starting to spin off and generate other sort of key elements like 
a clothing line or a watch line or a bow tie line that aligns themselves uh, and their personal brand to product. So what it in essence does is, is generate an additional income for a personal brand. So a lot of the time there, there is that kind of question around whether the person is justified enough to have that particular um, sort of line because I mean in the fashion industry we have people who are celebrities who then start a fashion line but are they really fashion authorities mm-hmm. and and that is a very important question to ask because again I'm going to go to the authenticity if it is not a- appropriate and 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 this is when um the particular brand or celebrity or gatekeeper or influencer has to question what they are doing and does it align with their personal brand? And if not, do they align themselves with a person that's going to give them the correct advice? Mm -hmm. Because not everyone can do a Mm spinoff from their personal brand into product. So, no, that's just a question and, and, and an observation that I, I'm going to send out to our listeners. And now I'm going to speak to you about uh, some 2016 trends around uh, personal branding. First is the integrated personal branding app. Okay, so personal branding uh, may seem like a standalone task, but you can separate your day-to-day activities. Um, there is... a endless supply of apps that will integrate personal branding activities on your into your daily grind. So if you're someone like myself who doesn't have a lot of time to sort of authenticate every platform in terms of personal branding, um, there are apps out there. And one such app is uh, Refresh, which combines the information on your calendar with data from the web and LinkedIn to send you the skinny on the people who you have uh, scheduled meetings with. So basically, you're researching the person you're having um, a meeting with, which, um, as you know, there are certain people that you might not want to spend so much time with. Um, so it's like having a personal research assistant who scours the web to learn about the people in your calendar and prepares a little bit of a cheat sheet about each one of them so you you could have a quick study um, before you shake their hand. Mm -hmm. So it's a really nice app to assist you in understanding who you are dealing with. And then secondly is the move to moving pictures. Um, If you have read any personal branding trend pieces um, over the past decade, um, there is a very important aspect about video and I'm speaking about video through Instagram. I'm speaking about video through um, Snapchat, those kinds of elements because personal branding has become a moving item. And, and this is highlighted by uh, someone like Nick Knight, who was a a stills photographer Mm -hmm. who now makes fashion films because fashion is about moving, how clothes move on the runway, wow. not how you view them still. <laughs> so how how the fabric drapes, how someone looks wearing it. So it's a very important element to in, engage with moving um, and not just still. 
The other trend is thought leader consultants. So not all of us are savvy enough to do our social media and our personal branding by ourselves. Yeah. You know, not everyone is equipped to do so. So there are many, many, um, companies that are going to, uh, to um, executives for strategy and online strategy um, and personal branding strategy. Um, there are companies, you know, that will assist you in your um, in your personal branding and take over your social media accounts, uh, so that if you are busy, um, there is someone guarding it at all times. So it's it's really a new kind of service which is emerging to help companies and experts uh, communicate uh, their internal subject matter with the target audience. Now, um, one such company in South Africa is Mobile Media Mob, and what they do is they take over a client's um, or clients social media accounts and they utilize uh individuals who take phenomenal pictures who take phenomenal videos who just know and copywriters that mm. are witty and engaging to take over the social accounts so that your brand is represented correctly wow. in alignment with your target market through identifying the correct hashtags um, on Instagram or Twitter or anything else. Um, the last trend is the idea is – of your location being a part of your brand. So it's also a very important thing to understand that you don't have to move around anymore for your brand because everything is online. Um, one of the best things about my job is that I can do it from anywhere in the world. And the idea is, is that you can really engage uh, via your virtual business. So companies are accelerating this move to virtual businesses in efforts to increase profitability. Um, so s several of the companies um, are encouraging their employees to go virtual um, and offer workplace flexibility. So if you think about it, it it's changing lifestyle dynamics so no no longer are the days where if you have a child you have to go into the office and leave your child at home you can work at home or go with the child <laughs> or go with the child um, yeah. and it's it's according to a world at work 67 percent of companies offer workplace flexibility to all or most of their employees at their own discretion. So our work environment is changing as a result of this, and our personal branding is changing as a result of the virtual world. So it's a very important to understand that there is a balance when you are dealing with your personal brand about engaging um, from a professional level and from a personal level, specifically um, when someone is buying in to your personal brand. And what I mean is disclosing some personal elements about yourself, about your feelings or what you think without airing your dirty laundry. So you've got – it's a very, very fine line and um, – 
often people will cross that. Um, so if you are likely to cross that, then you should engage with a, a company that will do that strategy for you and identify your target audience and identify what you should be saying. Thank wow. you. Wow, Nicola. I think my favorite out of that report, uh, my favorite trend is the videos. I think those short videos are like so powerful, especially when they are well um, yeah. executed. I think a picture speaks a million words to of who you are and what your aesthetic is and how you want to be conceived Absolutely. by the rest of the world. Thank you very much Thank for you so much, that Nicole. report. We are now rolling over to Mile High Fashion with Lynn Jasmine. Lynn, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. Hi, Welcome. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? We're very good. How's is, London? It, is it gray <laughs> and sad <laughs> <laughs> out there? As always, and it's cold. It's really cold, but I'm I'm surviving. Keep put on that faux far or real far, whatever. All the way you. from London. It's, whatever, it's whatever, on standby. No whatever worries. makes you smile, honey. Come and let us, yeah, come, come, welcome to the show and share with us uh, what's going on on your side of the hood uh, with Mile High Fashion today. Well, um, let me comment on, on the topic that you guys are talking about in studio today. So I think that as fashion professionals, it's so important that we define our brand identity and be distinct um, with a voice that that can be heard and, and isn't drowned out in an industry that's so infiltrated. Mm-hmm. If we look at examples like... Anna Wintour, for instance, she stands for everything that is Vogue. People buy Chanel because of Mr. Karl Lagerfeld. And we'll bring it closer to home and say someone like Bonang Mateba, her career is, it's been built around her personal brand, you know, and that gets backed up by talent. And that's why she's so protective of it. So when we try and penetrate the market, our audience is so honest and they can smell a rat, like Nicola has been saying. Mm-hmm. The audience, the audience is the one who makes our brand successful. And if we establish a connection with them and we encourage discussion by, you know, responding to messages and being active on social media and so forth, and then we get our attention, their attention, and we keep it. And sometimes we feel that we need to fit a mold to blend in um, with the masses. And with what everyone else is saying, but we need to realize that it's that unique voice that makes us stand out. Absolutely. So we shouldn't be scared to go against the grain and stand by what it is that we put out there. If we need to take feedback and tweak here and there, we can do that, but um, sticking with our unique selling points. We won't appeal to everyone. So I don't think that we should even try, you know, it's what a unique voice is, what makes us stand out in the field. Lena, I was going to say, um, sorry to interrupt you. Um, You know, I just heard you say we need to um, also just be open for feedback. I feel like feedback is the worst thing when it comes to, (laughs) no, that's just my opinion. It's like, imagine if John, Peter, um, Nicola, Morwick and you and Edgy and everybody else gave me different bits of feedback for for, for, for my brand, uh, for me to apply all that, like, w- that's, that's like going to hell. Don't you think so? <laughs> it's like going to die. I don't think, I don't think you should apply everything that you're listening to. And it's true what you say, because 
sometimes all of that, hearing different things from different corners, it can kill you. If you're not strong enough to take the criticism, then you can really like just pack up ship and be like, I'm done. I this is just very sentimental. Anymore. I'm not sentimental, but the brand is from the soul. Remember one of our conversations earlier around your brand, uh, you, you, you being a part of your brand or yeah. being your DNA in your brand. I mean, that's you, you. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to that, it is, you know, listening to the constructive criticism and then choosing, choosing absolutely what you want to take from and it. And nothing should affect you. No. <laughs> it shouldn't affect I you. I think that's for me. Okay. Liz, you're an emotional person. She's very, she's very. Uh, for all of our listeners, I am not an emotional wreck. I'm just uh, very, I take my brand very, it's a, it's a personal thing. I take it very personal. So that's what we're working on. But back to you, um, Lynn. <laughs> Yes, so exactly. You need to filter out and take with take a- anything that you feel is deemed useful, so that you can make your brand brand better to appeal to more people or in a better way, whichever way speaks to your audience. And then also, as a blogger, um, Nicola spoke about self promotion. Um, I think that. If you've worked hard enough in your industry to establish your personal brand as a strong authority in your field, then there's no reason why that shouldn't be done. (sighs) Victoria Beckham did it. She stepped out from a completely different industry, put her foot in the fashion industry, aligned herself with professionals Mm -hmm. in that industry and became a A sensation. Yes. You know? So that's key. And so I'll end off with saying that um, success f- comes from consistency. So we should be consistent, stand by our ethos, and our brand will develop and become something strong. Wow. Um, I, th- I think, you know, when it comes to personal branding, I've always maintained a theory that if you – I want to be known for what I do and doing it well – that's uh-huh. it because that kind of of sort of exposure comes from doing your job very very well it's not just being famous for famous sake or Absolutely. you would be exactly well thank you very much lynn uh with a mile high from uh, <laughs> all the way from london and uh, enjoy yourself and we'll definitely keep that in touch thank you for joining bye, lynn. Us. thank you bye, bye. Wow, guys, we're rolling over to Edgy Benson from New York. Uh, Edgy? Sure. All right, what are your thoughts? Anything else to add on to that? Uh, I, I just think, you know, I, I cannot even allow anyone else to dress me. I have never been styled. I am looking for someone that can say, you know what, Mo? I think I can style you because I think you're this exact same Liz. Yeah, has, but has anyone ever styled you? No, but because I don't want, I really don't want it. Like I keep, don't you think keep anyone will ever understand, <laughs> you know, how to put my ensembles together. I think let's just get into uh, Edgy. <laughs> Echoes from New York with Edgy. Uh, good afternoon, Edgy. Hi, good afternoon, guys. Good how afternoon, Edgy. Welcome to the show. How are you? Very good. This has been such a huge conversation. I, I think it's so amazing to have this conversation. I love everything you guys have said. I, I mean, I love really everything. Timothy has just been amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think brand branding and brands are such a huge thing for a fashion for a fashion company. 
you know, I, I do believe that the brand is you, you know, Absolutely. the product, yeah. you know, Absolutely. your unique identity, your DNA, your aesthetic, your product, your product way. I feel that is the brand and branding is how you articulate this for perception, you know, you know, through the product itself, the pricing and the market placement. You know, I, I think, um, you know, how, how palpable is your market vision, you know, your, your product vision, how, how, how visible is it for, for the market to see? And I, I do agree with Timothy that, you know, I think branding, you know, has this unique function to, to engineer demand, to, to, to find these need gaps, you know, the, mm-hmm. the want gaps to, to articulate to the, to the market. And, you know, I, I do believe that is branding, it's selling of your, of this identity that you have to the market, yeah. engineering it into the market psyche, you know, so I think it's been such a huge conversation to be a part of. I agree completely. And, what, you know, some of the, the clients which I work with, um, I try and direct them to have what I refer to as a point of differentiation. What differentiates mm. your brand from any other brand? And that's narrative. Mm-hmm. Your story is really important because you can buy anything anywhere so what is going to make someone come into your store or buy your brand or buy into your story is what's inevitably going to increase your sales um and and it's become more and more of a trend to have that that narrative that sells so you you know where the garment comes from you know who made it you know there's a label on it that describes you know where it comes from in terms of concept or development and and that's what's going to differentiate you from from other brands to just add on to that as well edge is again back to what timothy was also saying is the truth of the matter is that the consumers do not want your brand yeah. you want yeah. to make sure that they get a yeah. hold of your brand and at the end of the day, you're going to have to do whatever it is that you have to do to m- create an appetite for yeah. them to actually chew onto that. And to be honest with you, during Fashion Week, uh, this, this Fashion Week that just passed, um, there were things that Timothy said that were so salient because going through, going through the shows, you will see there were like, you know, a lot of the hues, a lot of the hints were from Star Wars, extraterrestrial, a lot of vintage lingerie hints at, at the collections. And then there were all these exceptional plaids, but there were, there were brands that plaids sat down, sat very well with and, and, and brands where the plaids were just, you couldn't understand them because they were just not associated that much to these brands because the other brands have done a really good job. Like, you know, like Chanel, they've done a great job where you, you can associate them with this, with plaids, you know? Um, so, you know, that building that perception, building an identifiable product, uh, is what branding does. And I think it's a very effective tool. Wow. Wow. Edgy, thank you so much for your contribution. Um, we definitely, uh, look forward to having more conversations on branding. Oh, actually, I look forward, I look forward to making my branding talks a reality, actually. That's what we need to be doing because I think we've talked enough, uh, for today (laughs) around (laughs) this topic. But thank you, uh, for joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure to also hear from you. And uh, before you get off of the line, we're going to go straight into our who would you want to dress and uh-huh, why uh-huh. so that you do not um, run away from this uh, last segment um, of the show. 
And all I'm saying, Liz, don't start with me. Okay, please. and all we're going to uh, be saying is we're going to be starting with you as well. <laughs> Who would you want to dress and why? Well, now that we're talking branding, <laughs> I'm still going to stick with Liz. Again? <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's a bit more defined because I think you're, you're a wonderful... I mean, I think you're, you're, you're a great muse. Um for for a lot of brands quite honestly so because we're talking branding and i think you're quintessential muse yeah i will dress you okay wow thank you very much i'm flattered so i think that means i'm going last (laughs) nicola who would you want to dress and why well um actually i am going to be dressing someone in assisting them to build their own personal brand Uh, they've asked for some advice and that is a really um, tough cookie, um, Nadine Pillay from uh, Wunderbrand, who is one of the few um, Indian women to run a brand consultancy. Wow. And so I'm really looking forward to to like helping develop uh, her personal brand. Wow. Mawik, who would you want to dress and why? This week, um, the gentleman that I want to dress is um, David Beckham. I think David Beckham is... Ooh, la, la. <laughs> what, <laughs> what an immaculate man. I mean, also coming from, from, you know, sports and penetrating the fashion industry. And I mean, even in his underwear, his underwear um, brand. Um, when... With H and M, with H and M, he's one, got a big, he's oh, got a big okay. underwear um, thing with with H and M. Okay, you were and confusing me a that, bit. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, Liz, your mind is dirty, girl. You better, you better come out. I just think he's he's a person that whatever you put him in, he's got so much self confidence that. He sells it automatically. You want to look like him. So I think him in one of my pieces, one of my suits, he will sell it. I mean, people will just be like, wow, I think you, you might be dressing it up better than Mo. Although I think there's no one. That executes my suits the way I <laughs> executed. Timothy Maurice, we also spoke to, and guess who Timothy wants to dress? One of the people I would love to dress would be, uh, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. George Clooney is is a type of person who sort of transcends time. You know, if you look at the way he approaches life, how he wants to influence the acting world as well as the social development world, etc., he seems timeless. And I really identify with his elements of being anchored in depth of craft, in depth of social need. And if you look at the wife he's chosen, she's <laughs> not your typical Hollywood type of person. She is a person who is highly intelligent and about depth. So mm-hmm. the, he's being rooted in depth. I can identify with it. Wow. I think for me, what I want to address today is mm-hmm. our contributor, Lean Jasmine. I think she's got a beautiful body. I think she's got a beautiful demeanor. And uh, I think I'd love to put a touch of the Lisa Gumba brand now that we are talking brands <laughs> into her life. So Lynn, if you're listening, holla at your girl. I am here and I'm not going anywhere and I'd love you to sit on the front row at Fashion Week, you and Nicola, and, and look smart and keep twisting your legs back and forth all through the show while uh, my show is happening. So anyway, it's been a beautiful conversation Absolutely. on branding. Thank you all for those who are tuned in. Uh, we are on uh, Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you so we can always extend this conversation 
conversation later. And um, we look forward to hearing from you. www.fashionlabafrica.com is where we hold it down. Keep it locked. Peace and love. Bless. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com.